Amen. All right, well, we're there in Leviticus chapter number 16, and we've been making our way through the book of Leviticus one chapter at a time, and one chapter a week. We're in the 16th week of the series, 16th chapter, and Leviticus chapter 16 is, you'll notice as you read through the chapter there, that this phrase keeps coming up, the day of atonement, or, or the atonement, the fact that they're making atonement, and what's happening in this chapter is God is basically describing for us uh, a very special day, a uh, holiday that was to be done once a year for the children of Israel, which is the Day of Atonement. Uh, and in this chapter, we learn about it. If, if you look at Leviticus 16, look at verse 1. Notice what it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Notice verse 3. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place. Now, coming into the holy place, if you remember, uh, I don't know, it's probably years ago now that when, when I preached the book of Exodus, we went through the whole study of the tabernacle. But if you remember the tabernacle, the way that the tabernacle is set up is that you have the outer court and the inner court. The outer court, the priests were allowed to come in to the outer court and to the, to the, to the, to, to the, the open area of the tabernacle, and they were allowed to, make te- uh, to, to do sacrifices and to do their service there. However, there was a veil. There was a huge, and this was not, when we think of a veil, you know, we think of a curtain, like a little curtain, but this was a thick curtain, a, a, a big uh, uh, divider that separated uh, into what, what was called the, the holy place or the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. If you remember when Christ died on the cross, the veil was rent. That was something that one of the, the miracles that happened. But into this holy place, no one was allowed to come in, but only once a year the high priest. And that's what we read there in verse 3. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place. And then for the rest of the chapter, God gives instructions about the Day of Atonement. Now keep your place here in Leviticus 16. That's our text for tonight. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 7. If you start at the end of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, you head backwards. You'll go past the book of Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James, and Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 7. And you know, in Leviticus 16, we find the Day of Atonement for the Old Testament believers, for those who uh, were following the Levitical law, who found themselves under the Levitical law. As New Testament believers, we are not under the Levitical law, but as New Testament believers, we also have a Day of Atonement. And you must have a Day of Atonement in order to be a New Testament believer, and it's when you got saved. See, For the children of Israel, they had a Day of Atonement every year that was set up where they had things that they had to do. The Day of Atonement for the New Testament believers is the day that they get uh, saved. But here's what I want you to understand. Our Day of Atonement is similar in the sense that their Day of Atonement was set there to be an example or an example or a shadow or a, a, a figure of things to come. But here's what I want you to understand. Theirs was just a shadow. Ours is the real thing. And ours is a better. It is a better uh, sacrifice. It is a better high priest. You're there in Hebrews 7. Uh, look at uh, verse number 11. 7-11, all right? Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 11. It says, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood. Now here's what he's saying. 
It's, perfection was not by the Levitical priesthood. But he says, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there? Notice that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. Who was that other priest? Well, we know that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes from the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, and we don't have time to go into all of that, he appeared to Abraham in the book of Genesis. His, and, and the Levitical priesthood was just a picture of that priesthood. But here's what I'm going to understand. They had a high priest. We have a high priest. They had a sacrifice. We have a sacrifice. But our high priest and our sacrifice is better. Go, go to Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 23. We're going to uh, look at the, this verse later on in the sermon. But for right now, I just want you to focus in on a phrase. It says, It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves, notice what it says, with better sacrifices than these. So it's saying the, the sacrifice that we have as New Testament believers is better than the sacrifice of the Old Testament. So here's what I want to do tonight. I'd like to compare and contrast the Day of Atonement for the Levitical priests and the Old Testament believers and the Day of Atonement for New Testament believers because there are some comparisons, some things that we can learn that there are shadows and foreshadows and figures, but there's also some contrast. There are some things that don't match up exactly which actually make our sacrifice and our high priest better. Now, keep your place there in Hebrews because we're going to go back and forth from Leviticus and Hebrews basically the entire sermon. I might read for you other verses or quote for you other verses, but go back to Leviticus chapter 16 and let's start by looking at the comparisons of the Day of Atonement. Their comparison with their Day of Atonement with our Day of Atonement. Leviticus 16, look at verse number 3. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place. Now we know that's referring to the Day of Atonement. The, day, the only day that the priest, that the high priest has access to this holy place. And notice what it says. With, notice number one, a young bullock for a sin offering. Number two, a ram for a burnt offering. So he's supposed to come with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for the burnt offering. This is a preparation for the Day of Atonement. Notice verse four. He shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have on linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with linen girdle and with the linen mitra shall he be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. There was a special outfit that he was supposed to wear. So he was supposed to take off his old clothes and put on this, uh, day, this outfit that he wore just for the Day of Atonement. Notice verse 5. And he shall, now here's the first comparison. Notice what it says. Take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. So he was supposed to take a young bullock, right, for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. But then we're told he's also to take two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. So it's a total there of four or five because it's two goats, different animals that are going to be sacrificed or used during this Day of Atonement. But I want you to notice verse 5, and here's the first comparison. And he shall take of the congregation. He was supposed to go to the congregation and from the congregation bring the sacrifices that would be used on the Day of Atonement. That is a comparison to the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ because the sacrifice was taken from the people. You don't have to turn there, but in John 1.1, it says, He came unto His own, and His own received them not. The Lord Jesus Christ 
had to, you say, why did he have to be born? Why did the, why did, why was God manifest in the flesh? Why did he have to be part of the children of Israel? Why did he have to be a Jew or a Hebrew? Why, why was that done? Why did he come into his own and his own received him not? Here's why. He had to, because the sacrifice had to come from among the people. And the idea here is not just that it had to come from the, the children of Israel, but the idea is that if the sacrifice was to be a sacrifice made for the sins of mankind, then it had to be taken from mankind, which is why God was manifest in the flesh, which is why the word was made flesh. It had to come from the people. God in his deity was not able to make sacrifice. It had to come from the people. So therefore God became a man and he came unto his own and his own received him not. And isn't it interesting that in John 1.11 it says, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. And then John 1.12 he says, it says, uh, I don't have it in front of me, What's, how, how's it start? But, uh, but as many as received Him, but as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So it says, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. And, but then it says, but if you do receive Him, but as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Of God. Go, 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 look at uh, verse number six, Leviticus 16, look at verse six. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. Notice verse seven. And he shall take, and notice this, take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. Notice one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which, notice this phrase, the Lord's lot fell, and offer him for a sin offering. I want you to notice the second comparison is not just that the sacrifice was taken from among the people, but the second comparison is that the sacrifice itself was chosen by God. They had these two goats that they determined. These were the two that were available. And then the Bible says that the Lord's lot fell. The, the, they, they cast a lot, and on whichever goat the Lord's lot fell, they offered that one for a sin offering. And here's what I'm saying. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon about the atonement, uh, the doctrine of the atonement of Christ. And if you remember, we saw that, that, that you had uh, Jesus and Barabbas, right? And human logic would say that the reason that Jesus was chosen to die and Barabbas was set free was because the Jews cried out for him or because the Romans uh, didn't have the backbone to, to stand up for his innocency. But I would submit to you that the reason that Christ was chosen to die is because the Lord's lot fell upon him. Because he was God's chosen. Over and over, a couple of times in Scripture, we see the, the Father say of the Son that, that he's very well pleased in him. That he's pleased in what he does. So, you know, why did Christ, why was he chosen? It wasn't because they took him, they outsmarted him, they outmaneuvered him. No, it was because the Lord's law fell upon him. Because he was chosen. So we see the comparisons that he was taken from among the people. And that he was chosen by God, Almighty God himself. But I want you to notice another comparison. And we're going to skip around here a little bit. Because I want to show you the comparisons and I'll show you the contrast. Skip down to verse number 21. Leviticus 16, verse number 21. Leviticus 16 and verse 21. The Bible says this. And Aaron shall lay. You see that word lay there? And Aaron shall lay, get the picture, both his hands upon the head of the live goat, 
I was recently listening to a sermon by Curtis Hudson, an old fundamental Baptist preacher who's now in heaven. And he was actually talking about this, and, and he said something, and I, and I thought, I'd never heard that before, and I wanted to check it out. And he said that the, that, the, that the word lay there, that's translated lay in our English Bible, means to put your, to put your weight upon. So I, I wanted to check out if that was true. So I looked up how the same word that's translated there, lay, how the same word was translated by our King James translators, in other places in our King James Bible, the same uh, Hebrew word, how else they translated it, what the King James translators saw as synonyms for this word, how they thought or felt about this word. And the same Hebrew word that's translated there in verse 21 as lay, in other places in our King James Bible, by the King James translators, and I believe by the direction of God, they translated the word as sustained, as laid, as born upon, as lean. Or as upholdeth. So the idea that when they, when they saw that word, what they understood that word to mean is not just when it says lay, not just like I put my hand there or I lay my phone there. But the idea is that you were leaning upon because they translated the same word in other places as to lean upon, as to be sustained with, as to uh, be upheld by, as to be borne upon. So I want you to understand, when the Bible teaches here that the sacrifice, they were to, notice verse 21, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the life goat, and then what does he do? And confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions, and all their sins, putting them, putting what? The iniquities and the transgressions and the sins upon the head of the goat and shall send them away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness and the goat, notice, shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. The idea there, when it says lay, it means that he was leaning his weight upon him. He was being sustained by. He was putting his weight on him as he confessed the sins of the people. And I would submit to you tonight that that is what salvation is. Salvation is that we are leaning upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not that, you know, because today you got people who think, well, you got to believe on Christ and you also have to do the works. You have to believe on Christ, but you also better live right or he's going to take your salvation away. You got to lean on Christ, but you also better get baptized. Or you got to lean on Christ, but you also better uh, get, get, uh, get baptized or whatever it might be. But listen to me. Salvation is if I make it to heaven, it's because I borne my sin upon him. He is the only one that's carrying it. I'm not, there's no weight. There's no work. There's nothing that I'm holding up, but I'm placing the entire weight upon him of my sin. That's what salvation is. Are you, uh, did you keep your place in Hebrews? Look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. While you turn there, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, Christ bore our sin on the, Christ, on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So it's not that he does it halfway and I do it halfway. No, no, no. He either takes all of my sin or he takes none of my sin. Amen. Hebrews 9.28, notice what it says. So Christ was once offered, notice, to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin 
unto salvation. So we see, we, we, we see the, the comparisons. What are the comparisons? That he was taken from among uh, the people. And what, what are the comparisons? That he was chosen by God. His lot fell upon him. And what are the comparisons? That he takes our sin. And the Levitical priest, in order to make the point, would literally lay both hands and lay his weight and lean upon and be sustained by as he confessed the sins. Why? Because that's what salvation is. That he carries our burden. He takes our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Keep your place there in Hebrews. Go, go back to Leviticus 16. So we saw some of the comparisons. But let me show you some of the contrasts. Those are some of the pictures that we can learn. But notice a few of the contrasts. In Leviticus 16 and verse 6, the Bible says this. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And we're going to come back to that statement here in a second. And make an atonement for himself. But I want you to notice this phrase first. And for his house. And for his house. In this chapter, there is an emphasis on the fact that Aaron had a household, that Aaron had children. In fact, look at verse 1, just real quickly. And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. Remember, we we learned about his two sons and how they offered strange fire, and we talked about that several weeks ago. But again, this emphasis of the fact that he has sons. Look at Leviticus 16 and 6 again. Look at the last phrase, and for his house. Look at verse number 11, Leviticus 16 and verse number 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself. Notice, and for his house. And you say, well, what is the significance of the fact Aaron had children? What's the significance there? Why does that matter? Well, it matters for the priest because the Levitical priest had to be replaced. The Levitical priest was when they were going to die. And the high priest, there was only one high priest that was allowed uh, to, to serve at a time. And when the high priest got to the place where he was no longer able to serve or if he was to die, he had to be replaced. We see this in verse number 32. Look at Leviticus 16 and verse 32. Notice what it says. And the priest whom he shall anoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister, notice, in the priest's office, notice these words, in his father's stead shall make an atonement and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garment. So here he's talking about when, when the older priest dies, when the older priest is no longer able to serve and a new priest comes in and begins to fill that role, he's telling him that he's got to do certain things and consecrate himself and make... But I want you to notice the phrase that says, the priest's office in his father's stead. Now go, go to Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter number 7, let's look at verse number 11 again. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 11. So we saw the comparisons, but let's see the contrast. Here's the contrast. Their high priest, Aaron and his Levitical priesthood, had to be replaced. Why? Because Aaron died, and his son died, and his son died. And there was continually a new high priest coming in and taking over. How does that compare or how does that contrast to our high priest? Hebrews 7.11, notice what it says. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, 
furnished it, the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? So our priest is not a Levitical priest. He's not of the order of Aaron. He's of the order of Melchizedek, look at verse 15. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, notice verse 16, who is made not after the law of carnal commandments, but after the power, notice this, of an endless life. There's an emphasis there on the fact that his life is endless. He's eternal. Skip down to verse number 23. Uh, same chapter, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. Notice what he says. And truly, notice Hebrews 7, 23. And they truly were many priests. And they truly were many priests. Well, why? Well, notice. Because they were not suffered, the word suffered means allowed, they were not allowed to continue. Why were they not allowed to continue? By reason of death. Because they kept dying. Because they were human beings. They were just playing a role. They were just showing a picture. They were just saying, I serve as a high priest. My Aaron will serve as a high priest his entire life. But he was not suffered. He was not allowed to continue on. Why? Because he was a man by reason of death. Notice verse 24. But this man, what man? Jesus. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. See, here's a contrast between the priesthood of Melchizedek, the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Levitical priesthood. Here's the contrast. Our high priest abides forever. Our high priest has no replacement. Our high priest has an endless life, an eternal life. He continueth ever, therefore he has an unchangeable priesthood. Their high priest had to be replaced. Their high priest was weak because he was a man. And he died because of his weakness. But our high priest abides forever. Let me show you another contrast. Go, go back to Leviticus 16. Keep your place there in Hebrews. Uh, Leviticus 16, look at verse 6. Not only do we see the contrast of our high priest abiding forever, while there our high priest must be replaced, but here's another contrast. Leviticus 16, look at verse 6 again. Leviticus 16 and verse 6. And Aaron, that's the high priest, shall offer his bullock of the sin offering. Now he has a bullock for a sin offering. A sin offering is offered because of sin. Why is he offering it? Notice. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering. Notice this. Which is for himself. And make an atonement. Notice this. For himself. And for his house. See, Aaron, before he could make a sacrifice for the people, he had to make a sacrifice for himself. Say, why? Why did he have to make a sin offering for himself before he could make a sin offering for the people? Well, here's why. Because he's a sinner. Because he's a man. Because he had sin himself. Skip down to verse number 11. Notice what it says. Leviticus 16, verse 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering. Notice this. Which is for himself. And shall make an atonement. Notice it. For himself. And for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. How does that contrast to our high priest? Well, go, go back to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verse number 26. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26. Hebrews 7, 26 says, For such an high priest, for such an high priest became us, who is, notice, notice how our high priest is described. 
who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Notice verse 27. Who needeth not daily, who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up a sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. Now, Aaron had to offer a sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people. But guess what? Our high priest did not have to offer a sacrifice, first for his, for his own sin. It says that he needed not daily those sacrifices, and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Notice verse 28. For the law, that's the Levitical law, maketh the man high priest which have infirmity. Here's what he's saying. The Levitical priesthood would make men who were sick, who were dying, who had a sin sickness, the infirmity of the flesh was upon them. But our, which is why Aaron had to do a sacrifice for himself and then for the people. But our high priest had no need to sacrifice for himself. Why? Because he knew no sin. Because he was without sin. Because he was God in the flesh. Go back to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and verse number uh, 15. You say, well, look, we know about the deity of Christ. We know that Jesus was without sin. You know, what I've learned in the last several weeks is you just can't go, you just can't go over just Bible doctrine, basic doctrine over and over again. Like Brother Suggy was talking about on, on Sunday night. You know, just you got to keep hearing soul winning. Keep hearing separation. Keep hearing Bible reading. You know what? We just hear these doctrines. Jesus was not a man. And today, you know, you got people reading stupid things and watching stupid videos or movies like The Da Vinci Code or whatever. All these things where they're trying to attack on Christ. But you know what? Our high priest did not have to make a sacrifice for sin. Why? Because he was not a sinner. Amen. And our high priest, I don't care what Da Vinci said, needed, needed not a household. He did not need children. Why? Why did Aaron need children? Because one day he had to be replaced. But our high priest never has to be replaced. He lives an endless life. He's forever. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. He is. He is the Almighty. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Notice what it says. Hebrews 4, 15. For we have not an high priest, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. See, part of the humanity of Christ was that he had to come to this earth to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He felt everything you felt. Everything you felt. Every hurt, every pain. Physically, emotionally. The Lord Jesus Christ felt it. Have you been sick? He was sick. Have you been broke? He was broke. Have you been stabbed in the back? He got stabbed in the back. Look, it says that, uh, that uh, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Every temptation you felt, he's felt it. Here's the difference though. Yeah, without sin. You say, I, I feel tempted and then I am drawn by the, my own lust and my own temptations and, 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 I, and it causes me to sin. Jesus felt every temptation. The only difference between him and you is that he never sinned. Yet, without sin. Keep your place in Hebrews. Go back to Leviticus 16. We're looking at the contrast. Our high priest abides forever. Their high priest must be replaced. Our high priest is sinless. Their high priest is a sinner. Here's another contrast. Leviticus 16, look at, look at verse number uh, 14. And he shall take of the blood, and he shall take of the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it. Sprinkle what? The blood. With his finger upon the mercy seat, eastward, 
And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Now seven in the Bible is the number of completion, right? Six days did the Lord labor to create the earth and then he rested on the seventh day. Why? Because he was done. And here we see that the high priest, the one time a year that he was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, allowed to cross the veil, allowed to go in and see the mercy seat, he was to take the blood and he was to sprinkle it seven times. Why? To show that it was done. It was completed. Now this is just a picture. Notice verse 14. And he shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil to do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Skip down to verse 34 just for sake of time. Look at verse 34. But here's what I want you to understand. They did this once a year. The day of atonement was meant to atone for the sins of the people. Remember when they sinned, if they had a sin of ignorance, or if they had a, a, a sin where they just, they, they messed up. Remember, they, we learned about those different sacrifices. They were supposed to bring those sacrifices. But only the sins of ignorance. Only the sins that were not premeditated. If you sinned a willingly or a willful sin, there was no sacrifice for that sin. In fact, Hebrews teaches that as well. They were not, because here's the thing. If you, if you sin, but it's a sin of ignorance in the sense that you didn't know, you didn't know that the Bible said you were supposed to do that or you weren't supposed to do that. God says it's still a sin, but you can sacrifice for it. Or if you knew it was a sin, but you, you didn't set out to do it. Just in the heat of the moment, you know, the flesh got the better of you and you said something you shouldn't have said. You did something you shouldn't have done. You didn't set out. You didn't premeditate to go, you know, perform that sin, but you just ended up down that road for whatever reason. God says you were allowed to bring a sin offering. But if you had a premeditated sin, you just bore the consequence of that. And even as New Testament believers, I think, you know, God, God is going to be very less likely to withhold the consequences of our sins when we know full well what we're doing and we're just... And, and we're just doing it anyway. But here's what's interesting about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement atoned for all sin. Ignorant sins, willful sins, premeditated sins. It, once a year, see, you had to make the sacrifices whenever you sinned, whenever you messed up, you brought the sacrifice. But once a year, once a year, there was a day when the priest would sanctify himself and he would enter into the Holy of Holies and he would make a sacrifice and he'd take the blood and sprinkle it. And once a year, it would cover and it would do away with all sin. But notice, it was only once a year. Leviticus 16, verse 34. Leviticus 16, verse 34. And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you. To make an atonement for the children of Israel, Leviticus 16, verse 34, notice what he says, for all their sins once a year, as he did as the Lord commanded Moses. See, they had to do this once a year. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Every year on this specific date, every year on this specific time, the high priest had to go in and atone for the sins of the people once a year. Hebrews 9, look at verse 12. How does that contrast to our atonement? Hebrews 9.12. Hebrews 9.12. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. See, Jesus did not... See, Jesus played the role of the high priest, but he also played the role of the sacrifice. 
Remember John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. See, when Jesus played the role of the high priest, he was not bringing in the blood of an animal, but he was bringing his own blood. Hebrews 9.12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in. Now notice, once, not once a year, once, into the holy place, having obtained, notice this word, eternal redemption for us. You say, how many times does the Lord Jesus Christ have to enter into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle His blood, not the blood of a bull, His blood seven times on the mercy seat to atone for my sins? Is it like the Levitical priesthood where it would wear off eventually? Is it like the Levitical priesthood where because it was an animal, it wasn't really that great and it had to be done over and over and over? No, see, our salvation is once. He entered in once into the holy place and obtained eternal redemption. You know what we call that today? Eternal security. We sing that song, you know, once for all, O sinner, believe it. Once for all, O brother, receive it. How how many times did he have to sacrifice and he had to give of himself to bring eternal redemption? Only once. Why? Because he's a better priest. He's a better sacrifice. Look at verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats... And the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the, notice, through the eternal spirit, through the eternal spirit. Sometimes people say, well, how, if I deserve to die and go to hell for the rest of eternity, how could the Lord Jesus Christ die on the cross and have his soul spend three days and three nights in hell? How does that make up? For my eternity, and I, look, I don't have the answer to that question, but here's what I know. The difference is, because He is from everlasting, because He is the Alpha and Omega, because He is an eternal being. See, you and I, we receive eternal life, but our eternal life begins at a moment. If you believe on the Son, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. His eternal life never began. His, he's, he's, he's an eternal being. He's always been. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He's always been. So somehow the Bible is telling us that His eternal spirit, this eternal being, was able to pay for an eternity of sin, for an eternity of, of hell. Within those three days, notice what it says, who through the eternal spirit offered Himself without spot to God. Why? Because He was without sin. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Where did he enter in? Where did he enter in when he went to do his sacrifice? Into heaven itself. To the sanctuary, the holy place itself. To the throne room of God in heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Notice verse 25 nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. Did you catch that? He, not that he should offer himself often. Here's a question I have for people who say, you can lose your salvation. Well, look, it, when I get it back, does he have to do it again? How many times does he have to do it? Because he said once he did it once, it covered everything. Once he did it once, it atoned for all sins. Past, present, and future. Salvation is once for all. It's eternal redemption. Once you have it, you can't lose it. Why? Because he's not a Levitical priest. Well, I guess I'll have to do it again a year from now. No, no, no. Once he did it, it's done. 
Once you received it, it's done. Now look, he, do, he does it once, once for all. But when you receive it, when it's applied to your account, it's one time. Salvation, one time. And you say, and, and here's what it comes down to. What do you believe about salvation? Do you believe that you are saved because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the fact that he paid your sin debt, he took your sin upon the cross? If that's what you believe for salvation, then once is enough. But, but, and these are the people say, well, if you, if you don't believe in eternal security, can you still be saved? Here's the problem with that. The people who think they can lose their salvation are still depending on themselves for salvation. It, the reason that it makes sense to lose, it makes sense to lose your salvation if my salvation is dependent on the way I live my life, on the things that I do, on the, on the, 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 the way that I uh, behave myself. That makes sense, but that's not salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is that I leaned upon the sacrifice of Christ, that I confessed my sins and placed them upon him, and he bore my sins, and he took them away. Go back to Leviticus 16. Let me give you one more. Of course, in this passage, we see that the goats, one is sacrificed, the one on which the Lord's lot fell, and, the, and one is taken out to the wilderness into a land uninhabited and sent away. It's called the scapegoat. You've heard that phrase before, scapegoat, right? One of these politicians gets in trouble. They do something they shouldn't do, and then they fire, you know, they'll fire like their chief of staff, and they'll say, oh, he was the scapegoat, right? He took the blame, he got sent away, right? Maybe at your work you felt like, oh man, I got blamed for something I didn't do. You know, the boss messed up, but he blamed me or whatever. I'm the scapegoat. Well, that comes from this passage. Why? Because the scapegoat literally took the sins upon him that were not his own. And he took them away and he took the blame. And he took the punishment. And that's all a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you one more. Leviticus 16, verse 2. Leviticus 16, verse 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron, thy brother. And notice what he says. That he come not at all times. Now he's not saying that he, not, that he come not at all. Because he's allowed to come once a year. But he says that he come not at all times into the holy place. Here's what he's saying. He's not allowed to come into the holy place whenever he wants. Do you see what he's, what he's saying? He's not saying he's not allowed to come at all. He's just saying he's not allowed to come at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark. Notice what he says, that he die not. When will he die? Now, he will not die if he goes in at the appointed time, but if he decides to go in at all times. If he decides to just, I'm just going to go into the, into the mercy seat. I just want to check it out. I'm kind of curious. I'm going to go behind the veil. Because notice what he says. Into the holy place, within the veil, before the mercy seat. So he's going into the holy place, within the veil, the veil behind him, and, in, and uh, before the mercy seat. He says, if he does that, he will die. Notice that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. So he tells him, look, the Levitical priest, Aaron, the high priest, was only allowed to come in on the day of atonement. And if he came in whenever he wanted, then he would die. The high priest, the Levitical priest, did not have unlimited access to the mercy seat, to the throne of God. They did not have unlimited access for themselves, and they could not even grant access to anybody else. How does that contrast to our high priest? We'll go to Hebrews chapter 9. We'll be done right now. Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verse 6. Hebrews 9, 6. 
Hebrews 9, 6. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Remember I told you the tabernacle is divided into two parts? Well, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. That's where they worked. They were allowed to go into the court, into the first tabernacle, and do the service of God. Notice verse 7. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year. They were only allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, only the high priest. He must go alone once every year, not without blood, meaning he had to go with blood. He wasn't just allowed to go in and have a talk with God. He had to come in with a sacrifice without blood, which he offered, notice, for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost this signifying. Now notice, notice verse 8. The Holy Ghost this signifying. Say, so what, what's the point of bringing that up? Here's what he's signifying. That the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. The word manifest means to, to make known or to reveal. Here's what he's saying. The way into the holiest of, hol- uh, into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest manifest while as the first tabernacle was standing. Here's what he's saying. When the Levitical priesthood stood, people did not have access to God. No one was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, only the high priest, and that was only once a year, on the day appointed, with a sacrifice, and he had to put on the right clothes and do a sacrifice for himself and follow all these rules. How is that different for you and I? Hebrews 4, look at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 14, Hebrews 4.14, Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens. And just in case you're not sure, it's Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Don't miss verse 16. Let us therefore. Somebody said when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you got to find out what it's there for. Let us therefore. The word therefore means for this reason. For what reason? Because of the fact that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Because of the fact that our high priest is Jesus, the Son of God. Because of the fact that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Because of the fact that he was a better priest and he had a better sacrifice, the Bible says, let us therefore, let us therefore, let us for that reason, notice, here's the difference between the Levitical priesthood and the priesthood of Melchizedek, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, the reason that the veil rent the reason that the veil rent at the death of Christ was because access was now open. See, I don't have to go to a priest today. Amen. I don't have to go to the Catholic church and ask a priest and say, will you, will you speak to God on my behalf? I don't have to pray to Mary. I don't have to pray to any saint. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, you and I have access to the Holy of Holies. What the Levitical priests were not allowed to come in. What the high priest was only allowed to come in once a year. Do you realize that through the access that God gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us through prayer. Don't miss this. Do you realize that any time you want, any time you want, you can have access to the throne of God, to God, Almighty God, anytime, 
Anytime I decide to bow my head and speak to my Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, I get to walk into the Holy of Holies and speak to the Creator of the universe. And yet we spend more time on Facebook. And yet we spend more time on YouTube. And yet we spend more time... I mean... If you really understood that, look, I, I, at any moment I want, I get to enter the throne room of God, spiritually, one day physically, and have access to the creator of the universe. But I didn't have time today to pray. And I didn't have time yesterday to pray. And I didn't have time to speak. You, say, you see, we're, we're trying to live like the Levitical priesthood. Where you only had access to the mercy seat once a year and it was just one special guy and you had to go through, jump through all these hoops to get to it. You and I get access to God. See, our high priest, their high priest does not have unlimited access himself. Our high priest gets unlimited access to us. And yet we don't use it. And yet we just never do it. Rarely do it. Unfrequently. I want to encourage you tonight to take access. Look, look. if you're saved, you, you've taken the benefits of the, 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 the priesthood of Melchizedek. You've been atoned once a year. But you know what? There's more benefits. There's other benefits. Let's make sure we take the access. And let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. You know, this week, there should be people from Verity Baptist Church coming in boldly unto the throne of grace, praying for this conference coming out. You know, there should be people coming in boldly unto the throne of grace, praying for lost loved ones, praying for healing, praying. We get to come in boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that right now, this very moment, We have access to the throne of God. And we get to speak to the creator of the universe because of our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask that you would clear our minds. You'd help us to be thankful for the atoning work of Christ. And Lord, help us to not just take advantage of the fact that we're saved, but take advantage of the benefits that come with it. We have an advocate with the Father. We have a mediator. Lord, help us to come, therefore, boldly unto the throne of grace. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross, to take our sins, to be our scapegoat, to allow us to lay our burdens upon Him. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.